You're listening to Matt King and Vince Tracy on Vince Tracy Podcasts. So a very good day. Welcome everybody to Europe Calling with Matt King and Vince Tracy. And today we're looking at why people go to church. Why bother? Our weather here in Spain, we are a little colder in the morning. I think cold is probably not the correct word to use as uh, during the day it heats up and uh, we're probably up to about 20 most days. Uh, It's certainly lovely definition on the mountains, garden looks nice, Uh, it's nice and tranquil at the moment and basically um, I should think if I go due west and around about three quarters of an hour, Matt will tell me that it's pretty similar there. So good morning to you Matt and what's your weather like? Good morning, Vince. Um, my weather, well, it's a bit, it's a bit sort of time of the yearish, really. It's uh, a little bit uh, overcast as I look out my window at the sea. Um, the uh, the clouds are low, very low out there. So uh, I should imagine it, it will uh, exclude the sun for a little while. But I reckon it will burn off and it will turn into a very nice day. Good. Okay. Well, look, uh, our subject today is church and why do we bother going or why do we not bother going it depends really Uh, I have no idea of uh, which way this will go but for me I think we'll quickly define the church can either be the building where the Christians go and worship uh, what they believe in and or what we believe in sorry should I say Um, or it can of course mean a body of people so, um, you know, you will hear a broad church uh, and politicians will use it, uh, but they usually won't be using it in the uh, sort of religious sense. Although having said that, in the United Kingdom, of course, the king is supposed to be the head of the church and thereby should be keeping all the rules that he knows full well include um, not taking a mistress or things of that ilk. Um, So uh, I've put the parameters down. If there's anything that you want to add to that uh, or maybe just uh, uh, agree that, you know, those are two good working definitions though though i'm sure there will be others as well but those are the two main ones aren't they well i i I think that's right um and uh where whereas once it was a duty almost i can remember it being a duty to go to church um within the family uh because it it was a way to to give us guidance and on how to follow god improve our spirituality spirituality and live better lives and that's really the the essence of going to church um i think because churches a lot of churches have closed um through non for lack lack of uh of uh audience i suppose for want of a better thing a word um i think it's uh it's 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 definitely gone downhill religion but i think we'll go uh We'll come into that a bit later on in our conversation, I'm sure. 
but uh, you know, I agree with those two, d- definitely those two sentiments. But I think there are there's more to it than that. Well, yes. Um, okay, you know, when I was born, uh, I was born into a family where my dad was an, uh, of an Irish Catholic parentage. My mother was uh, from the south of England, and I don't know whether she actually. Uh, converted from um, being a Protestant to becoming a Catholic. I don't know. I don't think I ever asked her, actually, uh, because my mum was always quick to tell us that she met my dad. They obviously fell in love. You know what it was like when the war was on. Things were done a little bit more quickly. And uh, she decided that she was going to become a Catholic. Um, But that's the way it was in those days. And my first church that I went to and the school... Uh, at the same time, um, was uh, not really alongside it. Um, You know, very often the church and the school are close to each other. Uh, I used to have to walk down to the church. Um, The school would be, say, a 10-minute walk, and the church would be a 20-minute walk. And, you know, my mum used to, in the early days, walk us down to the school, past Mr. Warren's pigs, which was a great delight uh, to see his pigs out <laughs> and snorting and making all their grunting noises, um, and then go to school to listen to other types of grunting noises, probably, but never, <laughs> nevertheless, um, you know, that was the walk down to the school, and... If we wanted to go to the church, we had uh, quite a long walk and my mum often used to take me to the church and I became a an altar boy and obviously in the formative years, you know, to actually see from the church I go to now or the churches I go to now, see the altar boys, the altar servers, um, I would never have thought of myself being sort of uh, looked from the congregation side. I mean, basically... It was uh, just one of those things that seems a natural progression to go and um, obviously uh, enjoy being an altar boy. It was just one of those things um, I felt was quite sort of straightforward, really. Um, but that that actually would have been probably more your mother's uh, decision to take you, wasn't it? Really, at that age, because altar boys aren't very old, are they? Let's be honest. No. Um, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really remember an awful lot of it, apart from the fact that... Is that, is that because you're old? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I would probably have been about 10 when I started being an altar right. server. Um, and, of course, y- y- you know, it was... Um, I don't know, you, you have a cassock and a cotter. So, you know, you put your cassock on and then your little white top and uh, very often on the big... Um, celebrations there would be probably 20 altar servers all uh, walking uh, onto the altar and taking the positions and um, we would be obviously vying for the chance to ring the bell and to uh, offer the water and the wine but um, you you know to the priest obviously Um, and you know I think I think the first thing that needs to be explained is that you know, people really often make very, very strange comments about the Catholic Mass. And the biggest thing is, is that uh, we have a duty to attend. And the second point that is very, very important is that we are um, involved and partaking in the remembrance of the Last Supper. That's what our communion is. 
And so the whole idea really of uh, it being the jolliest of places where we have to go and sing uh, lustily and obviously have great fun um, doesn't really sit as comfortably in my tradition, although I do like to hear a really good choir and, uh, you know, sometimes you go to some of the churches and the singing is abysmal. Um, these days, of course, we have little, we have little groups of um, uh, guitarists, and um, some of them, you know, better than others. Uh, there's normally a very high voice here in Spain uh, singing out. Um, but uh, the, the the tradition that I grew up with was actually a church choir, so it was actually quite nice to go and listen to the choir. But it was the solemnity of the mass. And the other th- sorts of duties and responsibilities that came with becoming an altar server was to go to the um, funerals and, uh, you know, you would have the solemnity of the um, funeral service. And then very often you would go to the graveside, you'd, you know, drive in the, the cars and the priest and the altar servers would actually be there as the coffins were lowered into the ground and um obviously uh, biggest memories probably are the fact that you might get as much as two and sixpence offered to you um for going you know so i mean yeah. I, i'm not, not going to try and kid anybody that you know i was this holiest of holies who, who went to um you know to, to, to do that particular role um to undertake that role when i was a kid it was just basically something that um it was my tradition I was encouraged to do it. My mum was pleased that I did it. Um, And, you know, I I mean, I can remember one particular Sunday when we had uh, this uh, terrific mass and there was a field behind the church. And for some reason, the two, the head altar boy and the second one down uh, decided to have a scrap. I don't know what it was all about, but they went out onto the field and they were knocking seven kinds of you-know-what out of each other on the backfield. Um, Sounds like a rugby game to me. Well, to be honest with you, I don't even remember how it ended. Uh, but I do know that, you know, um, the, 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 it, was, it was something that was a big part of my life. And, um, you know, I, I don't try and kid anybody uh, that I kept that tradition going all the way through because... Uh, when we moved house, I went to uh, St. John's, which was up in New Ferry. The first church was St. Joseph's in Birkenhead. And when I went to the second church, being a, um, a bit older, I can remember more the fact that I used to meet my cousin Mike and we'd both be about 17. And um, we would go into the uh, the men's club after the church and uh, we'd play the fruit machines. <laughs> so more more my cousin Mike than I, by the way. So um, that was one of those things, really, that um, is fundamental to, to my life. And so is it any wonder that really I feel that certain things are ingrained in me? You know, um, from an early age, that was how I lived. That was what I did. Um, I went to all the services and, um, you know, some of it was uh, very sincere, I would imagine. Uh, I learned the Latin, obviously, uh, so that I could make the responses when necessary. Um, I also learned that if you leaned on the uh, plastic uh, card that they gave you, it made a lovely noise, boing. And uh, very often during the, 
the master priest would have to turn around and give me that look that said, I heard that. <laughs> um, you know, but, but that's sort of my origins of going to church. And, you know, the priest was an important part of the parish. He did used to come round to the church, uh, t- from the church to visit the parishioners. But, I mean, when, when you think of how many people he would have had to see, um, not that often. Um, so, yes, um, I do come from the tradition of going to church, the Christian church, the Catholic church. And um, I went away from it for a long time, by the way, 16 to about 24. I uh, wasn't the best of churchgoers. And then um, here I am. I still go. I want to go. I'm happy to go. I don't uh, particularly um, always understand everything because it's in Spanish and because the acoustics in the church are quite difficult to um, understand the wording. And we have at the moment got a French priest whose language is certainly not Spanish, and he is utterly, utterly worse than me at speaking Spanish. So um, my hat goes off to him to be standing up and um, giving a homily in another language, which obviously uh, he's had to learn and is having to improve. Over to you. That's a long uh, amount of information. So um, what about your traditions, Matt? Well, I... I started off um, really probably the late seventies. Uh, I, I was sent to I was sent to um, Sunday school when I was that your your age when you became a, an altar boy. Uh, but uh, I and I loved it because it wasn't it was a Methodist church, and whilst the Methodist church was very grand and very austere inside it um lots of beautiful wood and you you the, all the floors were wood and it was basically you smelled wood when you went in there so it felt natural um to go but of course me being me which if you know me i'm a little bit of a terror i was a terror then and i'm probably a little bit of a terror now in in different senses but um I used to be, do things like there was a stage in another hall and we, we used to have uh, our Sunday school in this and it would be drawing pictures, hearing stories of, of Jesus and uh, Christ. And, uh, of course, with the seasons, we'd get different stories. With the, As the you went through the um, calendar of the church, it was different stories. So it was, it was I, it, I can't say it wasn't interesting. It was interesting. But I used to love crawling under the stage getting away from the rest of the crowd and crawling under the stage. And I would try and get anybody to uh, come with me. So I learned that at a very early age. And if you get someone else to come with you, you don't stand all the flack. But unfortunately, that does run out and they actually know who it is. Teachers aren't stupid, you know, Vince. (laughs) Teachers aren't stupid. But anyway, so that was my first experience. And um, I actually became a member of that church. At a, at a latter time, I gave up church. I I, I think I, it was a bit of an effort for on a Sunday morning to, for everybody to get me there. Um, and I and actually, I'm not even sure if I wasn't kicked out of Sunday school because I was a bit disruptive uh, as they were. But anyway, when I was about 16 or 17, there was, of course, all the musicals that came along. Jesus Christ Superstar, um, Godspell. 
all of those music and because i was so interested in music um, i used to sit and play my guitar and learn chords that's how i learned really um and i'd do it for hours it was the one thing that really kept, kept me centered and out of trouble um so i have that to be thankful for but that type of music and that type of feeling and i think that to me is what i remember the church to be in that now i don't i don't have now a church that i go to but i love all churches i it doesn't matter what denomination it doesn't matter whether it's a buddhist it doesn't matter whether it well i've never been, i've never to be fair i've never been to a, a hindu or a um a mosque a mosque i've never yeah. been so i don't know but i've been invited a lot of times it's not like you you can't go but you can go and sit somewhere different and you can be part of their service although i'm not really sure i would understand anything about latin i can do because latin i studied latin at school so i got my o level in that yeah um just to drop that in of course no i did um, as well uh, so, so yeah i understand it was it was popular then wasn't it latin was one of those if you were going to be anything then then you had to have latin yeah because it led on to, to medicine and to dentistry and things like that which was supposed to be peers of society which again that might be a question for another day but doesn't seem to be the case anymore so anyway so i went back via the um these godspell and and uh, all these shows that were on in the in the west end and i was absolutely smitten by by them um there was another evangelist um i can't think of his name now not billy graham but he was of the same era as well and i i just thought what they were preaching was absolutely fantastic mm. now they i don't even know if they belong to a particular excuse me uh church but i do know the stories and what they preached were absolutely fantastic fantastic mm. and the and then with to add it to song as well i thought my goodness me I, i've gone to heaven and arrived <laughs> it's exactly what i wanted exactly what i needed so i went back to another uh Methodist. this time i lived in a place called merton park and uh in south south wimbledon and um i i lived in a, a pretty good suburb it was very clean very nice typical go to work wear your white shirt and tie and that type of commuter belt and i really i i really enjoyed the church i really the methodists do sing a lot um you know that, and in english which is quite helpful if you don't speak that much latin yeah. but then of course you yourself has got years and years of learning the latin masses which mm -hmm. you know that helps when you repeat stuff we all know that as teachers yeah. well um, I, I i i was um you know i went from my primary school i moved town switched towns so uh, from the age of 11 i used to have to cycle uh, or go on the bus to the grammar school because if you um we only had one catholic grammar school which served our area so basically to actually get a scholarship to the grammar school i was uh, considered very fortunate at the time um and of course i learned latin as a subject 
uh, but the school was run by the the Irish Christian brothers. So we had a re- well, we had religious education, and it was every day um, for half an hour. And basically, I found out yesterday on a visit to Denia um, just what the religious education seems to consist of at the moment in a school in um, in Denia. Uh, basically, I was in a shop with Anne, and we met a lady from Venezuela. And I don't know how the conversation really started, but the fact is we were being told by her of her life in Venezuela and how the politicians have made her country so bad that they eventually had to come away. And that basically her 12-year-old daughter is being educated by teachers who actually take the um, national curriculum And they preface the lessons by saying, uh, we have to tell you this. We have to teach you this. And they then proceed to teach them that that if they are a girl, there's nothing wrong with becoming a boy. Or if if they're a boy, they can become a girl. And quite honestly, she was horrified, (coughs) as I am. I mean, quite honestly, if you give that information to a young mind, then it's going to confuse a young mind and basically start the process of maybe somebody um, thinking that they should go and become a cat or a transitioning and it goes uh, leakages out into the um, uh, the language because in the UK where we do know that this sort of thing is going on as well um, you know uh, we there was a story in the paper today about a man who's a teacher and uh, he is um, being suspended uh, because he will not use the different pronouns. You, I mean, as a teacher, you and I would be wasting all our education if suddenly we're starting to call one person they. It doesn't make sense. If you don't take the religious aspect and just look at the grammatical aspect, one person is not two people. There's enough people have skittered at our religion by talking about, you know, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost being one person. It's a big source of humour to people like Dave Allen, you know, in the past, did some great sketches. As a Catholic, I quite enjoyed the humour that is there. But you do not tell children now that they can become they when you're talking about one person, because that completely and utterly negates the language and she was horrified uh, and we both agreed it's totally and utterly wrong so I go back to my religious education and uh, we used to get an education of explanation what the scriptures were supposed to mean and our obligations as people who would eventually have our own children So we were learning responsibility and discipline. And okay, there will be those people who want to tell us we're wrong, but I'm sorry, my um, religious education has stood me in good stead. I definitely know the difference between uh, good and evil and wrong and right. And unfortunately, people are now making wrong become right. And that was a classic illustration 
given to me by a lady from Venezuela who was telling me also that in her, um, you know, in her upbringing, uh, they did have a huge amount of racism where the black or the darker population was encouraged to marry a whiter person to have lighter babies. I mean, you couldn't... I was horrified when she was telling me this. And funnily enough, I do believe that we're led to go to certain places for reasons. We were also in a cafe yesterday, and we'd just had a cup of coffee, and a lady came in. She was a, a, a black lady, and I knew I was going to speak to her. Don't know why, but anyway, uh, she was speaking the sort of Spanish that tells me that she was English. Um, I found out her name was Mary, and she came from London. And we got talking, and obviously it was a delight to have a chat with her. I really enjoyed it, um, which, of course leads us uh, into all sorts of areas because basically um, I certainly didn't learn anything that was racist at my school even though we only had one um, lad that was not uh, well no we had two actually we had um, um, one boy called Peter Noon who was from the orphanage who was a black boy I used to go to school with him so you know um, <laughs> again you know racism and me just don't sit comfortably with each other and the other one was an Indian lad called Mansell Sakluna and if I could speak to them both today we'd have the most lovely um, memories of our school days but I would imagine the bits in between might have changed. Okay, so um, leaving school and starting work um, around that time was when I suppose uh, I didn't go to church as much as maybe uh, I should have done um, because other things were coming into my life. You were talking about Godspell. I was talking about, or I will be talking about things like the cavern, going to see the Beatles and all the beat groups and all the um, all the, the exciting music that would take you away from maybe church times you know you'd be sleeping in on Sundays and your parents would be uh, having a go at you for sleeping in that sort of thing but then of course um, you were ready to leave home probably I think I was um, 16 the first time when my dad and I didn't see eye to eye um, but we had discipline that was the big thing Matt uh, it probably went with religion um, we had responsibilities and, you know, there was a responsibility to keep holy the Sabbath day. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You know, we don't really have to sort of go too far from those ten rules which don't really need an awful lot of challenging from, from me because I think they all make sense. Over to you. Yeah, uh, well, I agree with you on, on that one. Um, but, of course, you see, I, I did stay with it until I was about 21, and going back to where I finished, uh, going through the, all the Godspell and all the, that, I mean, that was one of probably, arguably, if I could remember, I think it was one of my happiest times of my life. Not listening to God's word in a church with other people. And that is where the key is. And you started off this podcast by saying that, you know, you can either go physically to a church or where you're gathered to uh, praise God in a group, more than two of you, only two of you, that is also called a church. And I think that is a a marvellous thing about, but if you think about it, it's logical really, but you're talking about the wondrous things. But it, but I, I, 
I was in the Methodist Church until I was about 21. And I was made a member of the church, which to, to uh, other other uh, churches is uh, being uh, baptised effectively. And, you know, I don't have a clue what happened to me that night. But the Methodists don't drink. They don't they don't smoke. They don't. They're very strict. Oh, this church was. It was a happy church. It was a great church. But, you know. I looked around at this social event praising my, uh, not, not just me, there were a few of us, um, member, membership to the church, and they were all drinking, all smoking, <laughs> all, all doing all those things that they were, in this religion, they were specifically not to do. And I left. That, that night, having become a member when you should be, well, I was, I was really happy. I was really happy. But I, I dreamt all night about what I'd seen and it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And so I left. I didn't go back. And then, of course, I mean, I don't know if you know about the Methodists and the Baptists. Then there was uh, all sorts of phone calls and uh, all sorts of things saying I was a backslider. I mean, this is a 20 year old boy. Yeah. Or 21, 20, 20, I think. I don't really recall backslider um what does that mean be... matt i don't know backslider backslider is a uh, somebody who who joins becomes because you pledge money as well when oh, you join okay right so there's a financial involvement along with many other modern churches not not, financial... not 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 the catholic church by the way you no no in the catholic church church you give alms because you do what you can afford. Yeah. You're not pledging money every week. Not at all. With this one, you had to pledge how much you were going to put in the pot every week. And you had an envelope, <laughs> you put it in, and the Baptist and the the, uh, the Methodist used to do that. I don't know whether they still do, but that's what used to happen. But my mine eyes were opened, as the Bible says, and I couldn't believe the hypocrisy of everything that was going on around me. And yes, I t tried to evaluate that with being a human and not be, but not when the rules are that you don't do it specifically. Mm. And um, it was a sad day, actually. I was quite sad when I got up the next morning and, and then to have all this tirade of uh, abuse. Um, and it was, that's what it was, abuse pushed at me from the, the elders of the church. Um, it turned me away even more. And um I always used to describe my religious um, sort of beliefs as being religious, but feeling like John the Baptist, mm -hmm. where I'd gone into the desert in terms of spirituality. Yeah. And there I was to stay for arguably the rest of my life, really, because I've I can't decide on one church or another. There's good and there's bad. And at the end of the day, you have to really believe but I go to churches yeah. re regularly. I go to all churches because I and because I'm not denominated to a particular church, I can go to all churches. Yeah. I can't necessarily partake in um, in the communion, the Holy Communion. But I, I don't know about you, but I don't feel. I'm sure you feel closer to God when you you 
partake in the bread and wine. I do. I do. And, uh, you know, as you're talking, there's all sorts of um, ideas and memories coming flooding back. The fact that, uh, you know, at uh, the age of seven, uh, you know, you, you obviously uh, joined the church in the Catholic tradition, you know, uh, by making your first communion. And, you know, uh, you obviously have to make your first confession, uh, which is a big sort of benchmark, if you like, your first communion. And then you're confirmed. And these are big events. I mean, I've, I've actually got a picture of my first com- communion with all the children in the church, including um, at the school, uh, including my sister, you know, with a veil on and me with my little grey uh, tr- trousers and shirt and, you know, my hands joined and all this sort of thing. You know, the thing is, these were lovely moments in life, really. And the the one thing, if I was going to criticise immediately the Catholic Church, I would say you can be totally anonymous within a Catholic Church. I mean, even now, I go to church and, uh, you know, many people uh, will have no idea who I am. Um, mostly, they all go, they you know, do the praying and, and join in the mass, etc. Uh, we come to the part where, you know, you shake somebody's hand because obviously um, you say the the Lord's Prayer and then wish each other a peace. Now, the thing is, of course, we've gone through a period where the, I'm going to say it, the communists have got their way, which is basically uh, the way I feel about the um, uh, pandemic and the, the fact that we were all wearing masks. I think the whole idea was to, so that we wouldn't uh, be um, open with each other and smiling at each other. And, you know, this might seem far removed from church, but the church certainly changed when people were wearing masks in the church. I remember the very first day it all kicked off. I was up in Eliana, which is in Valencia, and I turned to shake the hand of a man behind me, and he looked absolutely horrified. Somebody was going to shake his hand. And, I mean, obviously since those days, if I'm in the church and I hear somebody sniffing and coughing and spluttering, um, you, you know, you think twice about, you know, do you really want to shake somebody's hand and whatever, because, you know, they're full of germs. But um, in the past, you just would have shaken somebody's hand and get on with, um, you know, the rest of your life. You didn't think about all these uh, undercurrents like the germs and things that um, people are encouraging us to think of all the time. I mean, every minute in the papers, in the UK papers, You've got a different strain of COVID or a different thing, a different plague of something that's heading our way. Um, I mean, if people can't see through this nonsense, the only place where, for me, I think they can maybe ratify whether it's a a constant threat and somebody's trying to change us all is to go and sit in church and think about things. Um, Luckily... Oh, it's it's a fantastic place. I, I don't know if I told you, but I often go up to the church in uh, Guadalest, the little church lovely, there. Lovely, I, I go in there, and yeah. It is the most serene and surreal little church you I've ever been to. I, it cost me a lot of money. I put a lot of money in those candles, you know, <laughs> every time I go in there. But, uh, you know, to me, it's it's definitely worth it, and it means... It, you know, it's down to the individual, isn't it, in a sense? And it's also down to your upbringing. I mean, my father, 
didn't really agree with me going to church. So my again, it was my mother who was he did she didn't push me. I, actually, to be perfectly honest, I was such a pain in the backside. I think they were they actually liked the 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 few hours I was away uh, on a Sunday. Um, but you know, I I can't I, you definitely as well. I can't think that I would have wanted to grow up without having anything to do with the church. No, uh, yeah, all the churches. And, and I and I respected that's the other thing you learn to do is to respect other people's views and opinions. When you go to so many, I have been dictated to, especially when I was at university by the, the chaplains and by the, uh, the, the the Roman Catholics there, that theirs was the only religion. But I think there are facets of that within every single church that they try and. Um, well, the first you know, commandment, the first commandment does tell you that um, there's only one God. And basically, uh, I would imagine by our experience, what both of us probably now believe is that if you believe in a God heading in the same sort of general direction as you and I, then we're believing probably in the same thing, but going about it differently. Absolutely. And, you know, God is at the top of a mountain, and that's how I describe it. And there are many paths up the mountain, none of them any more difficult than the other. But there are areas where you get to it and it becomes a crisis. So you but what you've got in the church, if you belong to one, is a community, yeah. is a people that understand how you feel. Because they feel even maybe slightly different. They feel the same way and they can support you. And the church fosters inner healing as well. It helps you to reflect and be a better person, I th in my opinion. Well, well, having been to St. Peter's in Rome <coughs> last year and having stood in front of the line uh, which takes you from St. Peter all the way down to uh, Francis, today's Pope, and uh, then, obviously, you learn through uh, your, uh, uh, your your Bible studies and through your, your classes um, that um, Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. That is the reason why I think many Catholics do believe that that is the, the, the way that we consider our church to be the true church. Now, I am not prepared to fall out with somebody who takes the trouble to go to another church and tells me and I can see that they're a good person because of the way that they, com they conduct themselves. I'm never going to sort of come on strong with anybody about uh, what's the true church because I do believe um, that for me standing and seeing the list from A to B uh, I at the moment have very great reservations about our current Pope I think the problem for me is uh, we always used to have the sixth and the ninth commandment I remember in my formative years, it was a hell of a struggle, you know, being told, uh, you know, obviously things like masturbation and pleasure in yourself and all this sort of stuff is n not the right thing to be doing. Now, having put that sort of as a long struggle to eventually learn how to behave yourself, to actually have the current pope and the current 
um, curriculum in the United Kingdom telling people to go home and be, you know, discuss masturbation with their parents. But, um, you know, the, the things that the schools are telling the young minds to go and um, practice and uh, try and see if they've got, um, you know, a knowledge about and things like this, like anal sex and oral sex and things like that. You, you have to learn over your lifetime and be guided by religious leaders. I'm afraid um, the only other way is if you're a good person coming from a great family who are prepared to give you the instructions and the guidance you need. Otherwise, where will you get it? You won't get it anywhere, especially if the schools are now in the hands of these politicians who are disseminating things which are it's antichrist a lot of a lot of this is antichrist and unfortunately you know um the minute you sort of use those type of words people think you're a freak i don't think i'm a freak i think that i would like all children to have the chance to grow up properly now into the mix immediately comes the pedophile argument and my answer to this is look at the numbers of priests who aren't pedophiles Take that number as a percentage, and I would imagine you've got to be talking 90% would never be a paedophile. Why would paedophiles exist? If the devil, and the devil is supposed to be this evil, which I'm afraid I do think we've got enough evidence exists at the moment, then for me, how would the devil operate when there's numbers of good people? For me, he'd get into the churches and he would have bad priests doing bad things. That's how I equate uh, these types of things. And then somebody put the question to me the other day, why are, are priests celibate? And it's not an easy one to argue. It must be awful to uh, be young and have the sort of... Um, the the temptations coming at you, the feelings within your body that, you know, uh, you've got this ability to produce sperm, which, you know, naturally uh, with a woman, you produce a, 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 a child. Now, if you go to that, then celibacy is answered straight away. Because if you're trying to take away the woman, which is what they've been trying to do with transgender, and take away the man by the same process, then you can see quite clearly the struggle that a priest of any denomination, I don't really think it's just a Catholic thing, I think any priest who tries to be celibate and has the struggles all his life, you you know as well as I do, as we grow older, what becomes stronger in our own um, relationships with our wives is not a sexual thing. It's it's about how we can get on with each other um, in, in a friendship way, in a trusting way, in the way that we see things. And if you see them differently, to be patient and try and uh, accept the other person's point of view. But uh, the background is still the Ten Commandments and all the teaching that was there and, and was given to me by good people over the course of my formative years i i think we're going very deep here but i mean this is what for me the church at the moment desperately needs to be guiding people 
I mean, some of these parents, when they discover that their children are being taught this awful stuff now, I'm, I know they're not, they can't be aware of how bad it is. This is part of a national curriculum. It's almost like saying, we do not want anybody to go to church. Where are you going to get that? Communist China, probably. That's, you know, I mean, don't ever please con con confuse the fact that if I mention China uh, or Russia or the communists, I'm not mentioning ordinary people because, you know, the, the origins of their faiths and their different religions in these countries, um, you see the most wonderful people, the Russian churches I've been to, um, within my family setting to go to see other people and how they work. I mean, it, that Russian church in, in Altea is absolutely wonderful. And I've stood and spoken with the minister after we finished the service um, when my Russian part of the family have taken their children to be baptised. So um, then, you know, I am very fortunate I can go to all the Catholic churches here. I feel that my faith is a live faith. I go to um, a little church. But you know, Vince, sorry to interrupt you, but in the old days, in the good old days, they say, I would argue that in some points, you were supposed to go to one church in in any faith. You were supposed to, partly because they relied on your income to every week to help the church along with its arms and whatever it did now that has changed like you say you go to different churches to experience different masses to experience a different feeling that you get but even within the church i mean the one at denia is 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 beautiful but it's modern isn't it i think the one at denia well there are so many i mean uh, th this week we had on friday of last week sorry uh, we had the immaculate conception so yeah. I travelled to Pedrera, which is sort of it's a half hour in the car. Um, and then uh, they were having the procession with the brass band and uh, the Virgin Mary uh, was, you know, taken around the sort of big roundabout. <laughs> I mean, there are aspects of it which I have a little chuckle to myself, uh, thinking that, you know... We yeah, but you see, I, I believe that that is tradition and that is, that's important to carry on. You've got to carry any tradition on, which is what we're talking about at yeah. the moment, in a way. Um, you, you, you've got to keep whatever the church does or says, whether you find it a little strange or whatever. It's really important for those, those ordinances or those, those systems that you put in and you do. It's very important to continue those, because if you don't, like you were saying about the Pope at the moment, if he's trying to change basic structure of the church and what it's believing and what it's uh, pr protesting, then you're, you're in a very d dark place for churches. But we both know that and we both discuss that I, privately I, I, I've, as I've, well. I've had a very difficult time because basically this Pope is doing things which are totally and utterly uh, against all the teachings of our church and basically um, I think he's got a difficult job uh, because based around say for example the homosexuality uh, or gay stuff if you like because basically they've changed the word but it is homosexuality meaning that a man does something with his um, genitals which is not allowed in my faith 
So how can the church then turn round in the Pope telling us that we've got to be all embracing? Sure, I, I think I've always tried to be a friend to any gay person who basically, um, you know, does not get anywhere near the sexual stuff. If they're just telling me that, um, you know, that they happen to be gay, I don't need to know they're gay. I don't need to know somebody's heterosexual. Don't need to know these things, Matt. Um, they've made an issue of it. In the 60s, it all came to sort of fruition and then it became the politician's area. And before you know where it is, it's almost heading towards being compulsory now, um, which, of course, is totally and utterly against the Ten Commandments. Either you believe in these commandments or you don't. And for me, uh, they all make sense. And so that is why, as a teacher, I'm quite happy to accept what we're told. And uh, I understand anybody's cynicism. I understand people who will have a go at the church. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, th th there's going to be critics, but any organisation will always be criticised. However, um, I think any organisation that shows you that most of the time everything that you see is for the good of the people who go to the church. And, you know, for me to see somebody um, attend the church, the first thing uh, when we get to the communion is the communion is given to somebody who is going to go and take it to somebody uh, who can't get to the church. I, you know, things like that, um, I'm afraid a lot of people don't see because they don't go to the church. Um, yes, you will always find hypocrites. You will always find people who use the church. They get in the church because they basically know that they won't get a challenge in there. And of course, um, we all know about the paedophiles. And unfortunately, Spain being a Catholic country, uh, you, you're, a, you're a target for paedophilia. There we are. Over to you then, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I don't know as much about the church, the existing church, um, as you do, and the way systems are, because I don't go enough. And it would be unfair of me to make any real criticism other than what I see on that blasted square screen or a uh, rectangular screen that is comes out, which is how I know about the Pope. Um and his his new and immediately that I heard that immediately I heard that I thought this is wrong yeah. this this is going against centuries of writings and beliefs and then I was talking to somebody the other day and I was and I was thinking you know the 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 Christian faith and lots of faiths started with the aid you know in zero 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 in the in the world but you know there's been loads lots of other cannibalistic um precious other religions that have been for centuries millions of years before and one has to take in account the involvement of uh, the involvement of the, the faiths and the religions because it, it's um it, it, it's fascinating and uh, and like you said earlier i think the dig the more you dig into it and actually read on it the more you find that there's never going to be an answer and it is entirely about faith and yeah. where you put your faith well you see we we've had the most uh, strange times when we had uh two popes 
we've never had two popes. And, you know, uh, I started following a couple of theologians. Um, one, Dr. Taylor Marshall, has the most um, wonderful way of guiding people into, you know, what might be a problem and trying to resolve it, etc., etc. But to have the previous Pope actually living in isolation while... Pope Francis is going round saying some things which are very, very strange. Um, I think was enough concern, certainly for people like myself, who maybe have got to try and defend what we believe in. Um, but, you know, the end times, which I think people should be actually at least learning about, uh, predicted all the sorts of problems that are happening at the moment. I was reading in Mecca only last week. They had a plague of locusts. I don't know if you heard about that. Yes, I saw that. Amazing. Incredible. Well, I and, mean, isn't it? You know, nobody can deny that, can they? They can't. And isn't it strange that that should be the case at a holy place where uh, another faith, which sometimes preaches violence, um, you know, we obviously go back into history and see that we had the crusades and all those sorts of things but our church doesn't doesn't promote any violence you never see this the sort of groups of catholics doing what you know um you do see the uh, muslim faith doing which is basically uh, wanting to kill people etc um you know and then of course we've got the tremendously difficult uh, Jewish situation with Israel and Gaza, which we won't go into because obviously we've only got about eight minutes left and we're talking about churches. But when it comes to the buildings of the churches, um, you know, I've been going to some very, very interesting situations in Spain recently, um, you, you know, where the founder of the Jesuits uh, actually was born to actually have a almost like a cathedral next door to his house, absolutely astonishing in a small situation. You go to Covadonga, which is the birthplace of Spain, because that's where um, the, the 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 first uh, king of Spain apparently had an apparition, and uh, Our Lady came to him, uh, and you know he was able to uh, throw out the Muslims. This is Covadonga up in the north of Spain, and you know there's in the middle of nowhere. You've got this massive cathedral. You know these people have how on earth have they built these amazing structures? You know, the more that you think about it, um, you know, like yourself, you go and stand and you just look at the size, the immensity, and know that practically all the churches want to go higher and higher to sort of feel that they're going up towards God. You know, um, I mean, we've got, like everybody has, we've got to face the future. So if you don't really put some semblance of peace in your own mind, then obviously um, you can imagine there's lots of people walking around at the moment must be feeling really, really confused, worried, etc., etc. I find great solace in the church. I do feel that when we come to the point of the mass where you, you know, you, you shake somebody's hand and you feel the warmth and some people still find it difficult. But, you know, for me, I just think that's a huge part of going to the church. And of course, 
when you think that um, people don't really, even in the Catholic faith, really totally understand that the communion is such an important part of it. It's our belief. Now, nobody's going to know till we die, but that's what a faith is. And if, um, you know, if people feel that it's about killing other people because they don't believe what you believe, I don't subscribe to anything like that in the slightest you know, if somebody tells me that they are a Muslim and wants to explain aspects of their religion to me, I would be happy to listen. Um, but I'm pretty sure in my own mind that um, where I go is the right place. Um, when I go to different churches, I, you know, I, I go and sort of uh, I watch how it works. But the big thing for me, the the church in Pedrera, uh, they've got a wonderful priest. He really is a a leader a spiritual leader, and he explains things, you know, okay, it's like a little Spanish class for me, so, you know, the acoustics in that particular church are wonderful. Um, but uh, I went to the big one in Altea a couple of weeks ago, and um, I thought the priest there was doing a good job, and I could understand what he was saying, which was, again, important. Now, Matt, we've only got three minutes left. Um, these chats really do um, get us totally involved and immersed. So you must have a few thoughts that you want to um, maybe get towards the end of it. Well, I, I think in, in, uh, in theory, I completely agree with you as we're both believers uh, of in Christ or Mary or, or whatever. And uh, for us, Christmas is special because of, of our beliefs. And, uh, you know, the thought of a brand new birth of a child coming into the world and for peace and for harmony seems a million miles away to me than it did when I had the faith back when I was a kid, really a kid, 18, you know, because you were a kid then. That's the thing. You were learning about all these, exactly. all of these things. And if you went to church, you you learnt at least you, there was an opportunity to learn things that other people didn't. And that's what I came away from church thinking, that I wouldn't have opened my eyes to some of the questions that I, I put. I'm very firm about how and what I believe in. Yeah. Um, and that I believe, I do believe in people because people I'm very often disappointed as, as when I read about a priest or a, 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 a vicar who has molested children or done whatever but, I mean, at the end they're human and that is i think how they survive with it in their mind they couldn't keep i don't know nobody's really ever gone into it and not as far as i've been able to read anywhere but but it's totally against any religion but it 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 goes on in all religions it's 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 horrible and it also almost gives the priest a, re a reason d'etre, a reason to because he can hide behind the, the cassock. Well, Matt, uh, we in finishing this podcast, I think what my church has given me and my faith has given me is a greater awareness here in Spain of the Virgin Mary. Now, those people that laugh at the Virgin Mary 
just let me give you my explanation, which is basically it's taken the best part of 2,000 years before anybody could come up with a test tube baby. They're still tampering. They're still playing. And if you really want to laugh, um, if we believe that there is a creator and the creator has sent his son down here and um, he was born of the Virgin Mary, um, then we're not that clever, really. Matt, um, it's been a really interesting time to have a chat with you. And obviously, um, I've got to play the music. Oh, no. It's that Don't time. Don't go. Don't go. It's that time, Matt. Oh, terrible time. Well, I think rather than watch the TV and gawp at the absolute rubbish on the box... We've actually opened our minds to uh, trying to understand why we go to church or why people don't go to church. So I think it's been a very well spent hour, Matt, and uh, I thank you for your company. Well, and I thank you too. It's always a good subject with you, Vince, uh, Tuesday mornings, and uh, I look forward to hearing it when uh, you send it to me. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. Catch you soon. Take care.